Welcome to the Public Access Podcast. Back for starting season number five. Uh, the seasons are a little crazy, but we're back, and I'm here. I gave this guy a great introduction, and I I trashed it. So I'm going to start over and hopefully do it again. This is the man of the second, the minute, the hour, the day, the week, the month, the year, the decade, the century, the millennium, and the millennium. Shout out Big Willie style. This is fucking Warhol Kaufman. What is happening? How you doing? Oh, hey. Hey, man. I'm just chilling at the apartment. You know, I just moved to Southern California. So it feels really good to, to, to sort of move on to new energy and new space, you know. How are you liking it down there? You get like, is it pretty? I mean, you got a lot more opportunity to, you know, do what you're doing, which is really smart that you moved down there well you know man i've only been down here like a a month maybe uh i'm not real good at keeping track of time but like basically i'm slowly making my way to figuring out what's on with the scene you know there's definitely a lot of comedy shows out here it's there's no list really so i'm just sort of like blindly stumbling (laughs) like oh that was my uh alarm i think that's when you gotta start your own room meeting well so i'm working on trying to figure out a venue there's actually a spot not too far from my house that seems like pretty chill but i mean basically most of my day is just like sending out booking requests like hundreds of booking requests every week and a lot of it is is actually through instagram which is like mark zuckerberg's algorithm sees that i'm (laughs) finding comedy shows and like oh do you want to know about this comedy show so it's a lot of repetitive uh repetitive tasks on that end but yeah that's pretty fucking cool though i mean let let the zuck do his thing man he wants to fucking uh you know know everything about you and you know he can set up algorithms though too so fuck it man go for it like it's yeah it, it's actually <laughs> it's weird to me that Instagram is like the most reliable way to find out, you know, an email address, a phone number, kind of like most of, cause you know, I, I was just across the country, right? At, I did like basically, I don't know, like three or four months when I was mostly just crossing the country and trying to figure out what different comedy scenes are like and what the shows are and over and over. country like, tour. Well, I did a tour before the tour. I did like a quick run from like, Brooklyn to DC to Santa Cruz with my girl and then I did the tour with Rachel for two months and then with my girl again Jacqueline we went from like Colorado to Washington State to LA and then back up and then we kind of were she was commuting from from the Mountain View to to LA where her job was so it's just been a lot of like moving back and forth yeah Wait, Mountain View, like up in the fucking bay? Yeah, she was in the South Bay. And then basically she had an apartment there. And I was like staying at the apartment because we didn't have a place in L.A. And then she was working for like a month or two, maybe a month and a half. And would just come up on the weekends and go to her apartment. Uh, but now we have a place in uh, by Long Beach, basically. All right. That's okay, a good spot there. 
Well, you know, it's cool. I uh, I did an audition at Flappers and it seems like I'm past there. I did one show and got a video and it looks pretty good. I'm actually trying to figure out, like I have a schedule of shows. I'm trying to figure out, you know, uh, priority wise, if, if there's like a, a particular show I should promote, but I just uh, connected with some people at the comedy college who do shows at the Brit in Santa Monica. So I have a couple things with them and I've been doing this thing at Tavern Off Broadway downtown, which has been pretty fun, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Jade and Jade, you know, Jade Terrio. I do. Yeah. We, uh, Jade, yeah, we work together. Yeah. She's, uh, she's awesome. She's, she's working on her hour right now. So she's recording. No I shit. Think she's recorded. Yeah. She did two sets cool. of 20 minutes. And she's got another 20 coming up. And I think another thing. So she's going to put out an album of like an hour. I think she's trying to figure out if she can get, you know, get it to like a label or something. But I've been talking to her about that. Is she going to record it up there? Yeah, she has like 40 minutes recorded. And she's she's got like another another uh, couple recordings to get the last tracks together. Cool. Yeah, dude. Oh, and I have a friend named... uh, named Jovan, who's putting out a project, Halftime Hotline. Um, I think it's called, I have to look up what, what the actual title is. Hold on, I don't want to fuck it up. But I'm really excited to hear it. He's been doing some wild stuff, too. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. To, oh, it's called know, Black Men Cry, 1-800-Halftime. It's all that? 1-800-Halftime, Black Men Cry, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. So yeah, be on the lookout. Be on the What's lookout for that. On? You just moved, right? I'm about to, man. I'm uh, uh, I'm gonna start driving on Friday or Saturday, and it's like 2,400 miles, I think, something like that. So it should yeah. be should be quite quite a fucking drive. Uh, Is that a solo drive, or are you with with the lady? Yeah, with the lady. And uh we went we were out there a couple of weeks ago um for like four days to go try to find a place. And yeah, man, we fucking we found a place, but then uh like we it was through a realtor and the fucking landlord, like the realtor was doing it for the landlord, but the realtor was getting like fucking 20% of the rent, which was crazy because we're just renting. We're not even buying. And uh, so she had some skin in the game. And then so it's like, oh, yeah, well, the fucking uh, uh, realtor or the landlord's going to call you back. You got this place. No problem. And then, uh, you know, we'll have it on Tuesday. And then fucking Tuesday comes nothing. And then so I call. I'm like, hey, well, you know, leave a message. I left a message. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Where? Uh, where? I didn't say what the fuck. I was like, hey, uh, you're supposed to call on Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Where are you? And nothing. And then so uh, I guess she, her dad died, but then she ended up picking someone else. She's like, oh, someone else afterwards fucking came through. <laughs> but so, uh, and we're picking them. And I was like, well, fuck this. So, Wait, uh, so but, she ran, She just threw in that her dad died just so that you couldn't argue about her taking yep, the... Yep, yep, yep. 
So I was like, fuck this bitch. So, it, I mean, it was a place that was like a mile and a half walk to the, the beach. But uh, so this one is is more inland, but uh, it's a lot. It's, I it's do a better love the place. Beach. We yeah, just dude, moved like uh, we, we got like a similar walk to the, the shore. It's not really the, the ocean. It's like the bay. But yeah. the, the inlet, there's like sunset on one side, sunrise on the other side, and we can get to, to a little beach in like two miles or whatever. Do you you ever surf? No, I honestly, I mean, not, my, not people, a... my people are from the islands, but I like to keep my feet on land. If I go into right. the water, I like to still be standing anyway. <laughs> that's that's cool, man. Yeah, I I've, I, I got you on that one. I, I got a buddy who... Uh, I'm up in near Portland uh, and he was living down in Long Beach for like 10 years and he went surfing every day. Um, but yeah, man, like just being in the ocean, there's something about being in the ocean. It's weird here. Yeah, yeah. just standing by it even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's something to it. There's something to being by the ocean. And like the last three years, or whatever, three and a half years or so, four years, I don't know. I've been, you know, in the middle of the country, um, you know, in Minnesota and Utah. And so I haven't seen the coast for, I think the last time I saw the coast was, I don't know, maybe like at least four years ago, which is, fucking oh, wow. yeah, like I, it's, it's a weird fucking concept. Like, I mean, I've always lived real close to the coast so yeah being here like you can see lakes but lakes are fucking gross except like the great lakes <laughs> the, the great lakes are okay the a lake is just a little bit more than a pond a lake is a bigger pond like it needs to have some sort of non-stagnation of the water i don't i don't want to fucking sit in a fucking yeah i went to school by lake erie and some people would get in and it's like Nah, I'm I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not trying to. There, I was in Minnesota. Fucking, there's land of ten thousand lakes. I didn't fucking get in one of them. I ain't <laughs> fucking. I ain't touching that shit, man. No fucking way. But I mean, yeah, even even the ocean. I'm not going in too far. I don't want to. You know, I don't. Oh yeah, honestly, I don't even like getting on a boat. Like people are all into boats. Yeah, I'm not really down yeah i'm not really either i i did the i went on the ferry um and that was even like i don't even know if i really want to do that but yeah i mean the, the ferry no, i love was... the ferry actually the ferry is cool uh in theory i mean in practice i think they tend to be crazy expensive but yes. i like the idea of of moving that way it's like you keep your car with you and shit you know yeah, well, we just walked over. We went from uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut to Jefferson, Long Island. And uh, yeah, we just walked, like we could have drove, but I think it was like at least twice, of it, twice as expensive for us to drive. So it didn't really seem like that was a good good idea and we were only there for a few hours yeah i've been trying to figure out navigating travel out here i want to get a bike and see see 
if I can get across town in a bike, you know what I mean? Like a bicycle? Just yeah, just like I miss my I used to have one in uh when I was going from Portland south, it got waylaid in Ashland, and now I do not have a bike. Oh. Oh, I gotta tell you about some of these uh some of these projects I've been working on though, yo. You should. So um <laughs> I just realized I've been I've been writing this script uh and I just realized it's apparently a trilogy <laughs> because I wrote I wrote this thing about um called the last six months that was sort of about how I met my girl and like it was it was sort of like uh examining a little bit of like, like actually you know what happened I was talking to my dude Mac, who's a he's a literary manager and he challenged me about maybe a year ago he was like you should write something like all your scripts don't aren't like your stand-up act you should write something where that's like more like your act that that voice and uh kind of like you should do an do an apatow style kind of like who am i as a comic script and at the time i was like no i'm not gonna like no nah, i'm not gonna do that because it's not my voice like i like writing genre stuff and all that whatever but uh i had yeah i had kind of an intense you know uh starting last last christmas things got really intense i i, I think we talked about some of it you know like i had a friend die and it was just like a lot of stuff's happened it's kind of like a manic episode i got engaged yeah. briefly uh <laughs> and it was just a lot of stuff going on but um so I, I wrote this uh, this script called The Last Six, and it was the idea is like Warhol living in a car, you know, transition through COVID and just like how crazy things have been and how that affected like the scene and what's going on with the scene. But it was it was largely an experiment in delusion. So it's like a lot of these like large sort of genre action sequences that take place mostly in in the protagonist's head and in reality he's just like waiting to get on and never getting any stage time but, but then, so, yeah no what were you gonna say my bad so so then you're, you're getting you're getting stage time or is this uh is this uh, uh, well yeah, yeah no, I, I mean I've been getting, getting out this, there. I wrote this while I was waiting. I was waiting to move to SoCal. So it was just like really allowed of me alone in the apartment. Like, what's up? <laughs> but um, so you know, I kind of like wrote amalgamations of characters based on like Bay Area comics and different stuff. Um, and then so I was still I still have more time on my hands. So I came up with this other concept called Bang Up Job, which uh the idea is this dude Colby Taylor who's unemployed and he's just kind of like living by himself ever since his girl, he moved out to LA to be with his girl, but then she got another opportunity and she went away. So now he's just stuck. He doesn't really have anything going on. And he's like, he's like on his last dimes. So he realizes he needs to find some work. He goes and he sees like someone advertises that they need help. So he calls them and he gets this job. He works with this guy who's a contractor, guy named Vegas. So he's working with this dude, but the guy keeps like showing up at work, inter like periodically with just all these 
bruises and scrapes and just he looks really messed up he's like what is this what's going on with this guy so when the job's over he figures he has nothing left to lose he's like hey what's what's the what's the story and the guy tells him some bullshit but he doesn't believe him he's like oh yeah i'm a, I'm a contractor for the cia so then he starts following the guy and he gets into all kinds of weird stuff and so that was uh that was like the last future script i just wrote like in the last uh, month or so so then i started working on this other story that was a prequel it's about colby before he moves out to la he's just living in ohio with his girlfriend but it's essentially it's like a an inception sort of homage where his girlfriend is having night terrors because she was assaulted and he feels bad because he's not doing anything he can't do anything about it so he decides to try to get into her dreams and help her in her dreams and oh. so i just realized that now that with my last six and the bang up job is like this trilogy of scripts I can't afford to produce. So that's, that's one of the projects I'm working on. So how many, how many uh, scripts do you think you've written? So, I mean, I swear every like two, three weeks, you have a new script and it just blows my fucking mind. Well, you know, I think the style, the style of writing for me is like a lot about trusting actors. And so yeah. Uh, you know, I, they're, they're drafts. They definitely could use work. But um, I like when you stand them up with actors is when you really learn something. But I have a lot of script drafts. I have uh, The Murder in Mid-City, which is like 700 pages of 14 Oof. episodes that I wrote uh, under COVID. And then we have the feature scripts. There's this feature called Serious I wrote. It's sort of a comedic uh, heist diamond thing and then there's the treatments but I, I i won't count the treatments we have a couple like in a queue that i'm planning to try to run through but i just wrote um yeah the last six and bang up job and then there's this comedy called holly and snow that's sort of like a christmas comedy with a turn and there's this really weird horror script i wrote called um little rude and it's about three valkyries kind of yeah so um so i mean like yeah who's who's uh i mean i don't know like why aren't people uh you know hopping on this like i i, I was fast dude i was like boom like dude fucking let's do this uh it's it's a it's an interesting thing because I mean like there's so much to it with having to, you know, first find someone to finance it because that's crazy enough, and I mean, uh, well, you know, it's interesting, man, because I talked to uh, I talked to a lot of filmmakers mostly on Fridays. I I go on Clubhouse and talk to a few different like screenwriters and people who produce films, and I I'm trying to figure out how to get on this level. Like I have a couple of friends who are constantly in production and it definitely requires like a level of organization that I am beginning to aspire to and a network also, like you have to sort of have people who are motivated, skilled, and you have to have tech, like have access to those, those elements. And when I, when I'm directing a film, especially producing one, it's so many phone calls like if i'm not making phone calls like every hour then i'm definitely not getting the work done that needs to be done is what i found but i 
it's so interesting. I think about this all the time because there's some people who can just do it solo. Jackson Banks is an example, or there's this dude who made a werewolf philosopher ninja who he just makes movies with a tripod by himself. And I'm trying to sort of get that level of motivation to be able to produce projects on my own. But I find, I was just talking to Jovan about this, like the quality is going to be better if you're working with people who are more skilled and more knowledgeable. So really the aspiration is to not to do more tasks, but to have higher quality collaborators, right? So like, like on Symphony, Symphony was so amazing to learn just to, to get to watch, uh, you know, Sebastian Bazile work and Michael Galvin from Screen Anthology and get to be on the set with Jason Ragosta and then like collaborate on this feature that now is accessible as, you know, you can watch it on Apple TV, you can download it or however you want to watch it. And um, I'm so honored to have been part of that project. And I think, about, you know, think back to like when I was working on Thieves Code like we like I we didn't expect that it would be it's I thought it would just be another thing that no one could ever see but talking to my family it was really interesting how you know I've been producing work in the dark and just doing stage work and stuff but like for for my family hearing oh it's on Amazon Prime I can watch it I can actually see it like they that meant a lot to them as opposed to like oh Barack is out there doing something you know who knows what he's doing and so I'm very excited now because we we released Cinder 2 through Digital Direct and I've been traveling and sort of giving out tickets to the movie, but now we're working on a premiere where we can start to do like limited debuts in different geographies. We have something planned with Berkeley Community Media and uh, and I'm reaching out to a few other places to try to do some four-walling and I'm pretty excited to be able to, to show the projects we've been working on because it, it does, like you're saying, it does take a long time. So we're sitting on all these scripts and I definitely want to try to run through some of them and do some proof of concepts, but we're rebuilding because obviously I just moved. So. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, now you have like a much more uh, like, I mean, LA is pretty far from where you are. I mean, in, in relativity, like it's not far, but I well, mean, it's, it's probably like, right? what, like an hour or two. Well, so I'm in, uh, I'm in San Pedro, right? So I got, some stuff I, I gotta do, like when I'm going to, to Burbank for flappers, that's a good two hours if it's rush traffic, you know? We've been exploring like getting off the grid, but like the downtown LA stuff when I'm at Tavanaugh Broadway, like I, if we go a little later, if we go around, you know, nine, it's honestly, we can get there in like half an hour. It's not too bad. Oh. And then like uh, the stuff out in Santa Monica, Again, like if it's later, we can get we can get out to the Britannia in like probably like 25, 35 minutes, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, holy shit. Okay, that changes everything. Um, San Pedro's oh. cute though, too. Actually, we just had they were filming Quantum Leap like a couple blocks from us uh last week. I went out and hit this open mic at the Annex Theater that was pretty chill. Is There's it like is it still the same dude? Or is it someone new uh, now? Quantum Leap? No, I think it's a total reboot. Okay. What's that dude's name? Yeah. Scott Bakula. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Bakula is involved. I'll have to ask him, you know, when I see him. Yeah. Hey, what Scott, I need to do though, Scott, I haven't Scott been watching the comedy <laughs> stuff yet. 
Yeah, I'll just check. I'll, I'll do the Hollywood uh, star tour, you know. Yeah, and, like, you know, hey, Scott Bakula's house. Uh, it's weird. Like, I am too far. I'm too far from the clubs in that, like, it would be nice to just hang out at the store more, but it's a real commitment of time and energy without a vehicle to get there just to not be booked. So I have to, like, kind of choose my choose my moment with that you know what i mean yeah it's so then uh have you i mean there's so many people right there that are just dying to fucking work like i think you're gonna have a lot better i mean just if you can find and tap into that uh that scene man like there's so many people who are just you know working as waiters but then that you know they moonlight as doing all every other job you need well there's people shooting out here all the time so yeah it's i I definitely want to get on more film sets i'd be really interested to figure out what the stage theater around long beach looks like because um i really miss that also but i don't really like it's kind of it's kind of interesting like if if i'm going to put together a small budget for a proof of concept that's going to take me like a little while but i would love to just help out on some people's sets for a while i'm i'm very open to doing you know extra work or whatever but also um i really just want to find a, a little venue that i can start producing stuff that's that's definitely something that i've been uh sure. trying to lean into as well I'm- it's good though i actually really appreciate this the scene out here it does you know, I, I didn't have a way to, um, I, I've gotten to spend a little time in New York and obviously New York is like a center uh, in terms of like opportunities to learn as a standup. It's like really the place to be. The interesting thing about being out here is definitely um, after building the act for, you know, nine years on stage and and, you know, another year before that, of writing the material and like conceptualizing the character and everything. It's just, I definitely, you know, I've heard people say, don't, don't move too early or whatever. That definitely isn't my problem. Like I definitely have this, an act that's built and, and it's like really all people want to see is like five minutes at a time, two minutes to see if you can do the task or not. So and right really now it's about if you have your voice. Well, like, yeah, I'm Which trying to build for my feature act but that's not what anyone's concerned about right now right now it's just like can you can you make the room function in the way it needs to yeah but you know yeah whatever it is whether it's building up or you know closing out or whatever it may be and whatever to you know keep keep those asses in the seats and keep them fucking buying beer and and whatever else, man, keep them, keep them entertained, keep them, you know, however it is like, cause you, you have a definitely unorthodox style of comedy, which, yeah, I don't know. I always, I enjoy it. And uh, I mean, but then. <laughs> a resounding. Well, the, the thing that's funny is like, I'm, I'm fascinated with, there's a sense of expectation, right? So depending on the, on the space, there's different expectations when you get in front of the, in the room. And 
I was, I don't know, I was listening to an interview that I thought was really interesting. It was Mark Marin talking to John C. Riley, and he essentially was talking about like what's in the frame and what's outside the frame. And I have this sort of possibly morbid fascination with like those those boundaries, like depending on where you this is like super abstract, but like when it comes to the stage, for example, it's like, where is the stage? You're, the stage is a place in a room, right? And then it's like, who's viewing from where? And like that angle can, affects what's going on. I've, I've had experiences er, early on when I was touring with the Unreal where there was a serious concern over whether or not the performers would remain within the stage. And the idea of like the performer leaving the frame, that's a violation of something that sometimes people get really upset. I find it intriguing, you know? I mean, it's a whole different level and uh, yeah, a whole different level and a whole different layer to what a performance can be as opposed to it just being this very black and white parameter you have top to bottom left to right these dimensions maybe front to back a tiny bit and then that's it work within that but you know there's well, a lot more there's a lot more than that yeah i mean i i always love cinematography jokes also where uh in films where the joke is something that they're doing with the camera work and the lighting you know Speaking of which, by the way, since we're talking about all these scripts, I, you know, I have the, the treatments essentially that we built for the starring podcast. And I've been thinking about going back. I was thinking about doing episode three and writing. A, um, I would want to you know, check with you first, obviously, but writing a draft because I am just kind of trying to drop like two, two to three weeks or four weeks, like see if I can just knock out future scripts. And like, we're working on posters for them so we can just sort of let people know these are the projects. And I find it so helpful to have it be visualized so I can look at them, you know? Yeah. So is and it I just like, love the idea of a, of a catalog in that way. The, the catalog for who? Well, yeah, like, so let's say we're pitching to a production company we have a catalog of feature scripts and mock-ups of like the concepts of these different projects and then every time we do one we try to do a table read so we can record like an audio run through just to like be able to live in the world of these different scripts and decide like which one people seem interested in which one we should focus on for a proof of concept you know yeah did uh, uh so I mean, uh, so then is this taking it to, I mean, who, who are you pitching to, I guess, for these? Like, well, right now, when you're- I'm not doing a whole lot of pitching. Right now, I'm partly I'm just working on the writing. Like I was talking to these uh, filmmakers. Cameron Khan is a pretty amazing, he's a lawyer and he's a filmmaker screenwriter in New York. And we talk on, on Fridays in a couple of different rooms and like argue about films and stuff. But he challenged me to write more visually because I have a very, um, I sort of studied this internalistic playwright style of like Mammon and Pinter and a lot of the 
films I'm fascinated by are these adaptations of plays that are sort of controverting a lot of the traditional rules of cinema. And I have this sort of odd notion as an actor, you know, who so often when I look at roles that are available, the um, it, they're only considering the, they say it different ways, but it'll be like European, Caucasian, ethnicity. And it's like looking for a white actor. And sometimes that's essential. You know, sometimes it's essential, the identity of the actor. But I feel like so often it's unnecessarily implanted that these characters have to be white when it's often very interesting when uh, that gets inverted. So I try to, I try to keep my descriptions and a lot of my writing purely mechanical like I tell you what needs to happen but I don't necessarily tell you what the person has to look like or how tall they have to be how old what gender what race they are uh you know whether they're walking or, or rolling I kind of like try to see if I can pull some of that back in a lot of my writing but it's not really tradition traditional in the, in the way that filmmaking happens so that the challenge there is I think we, I have to shoot my own stuff I have to find ways to shoot my stuff instead of pitching to convince someone with money I have to find a way with the camera and the right team to just sort of get it done and that's that's what I'm working on right now I mean yeah I mean this getting a team shouldn't it's it's not gonna be easy but I mean, it's also trying to figure out who meshes well together and who's reliable and who's motivated. And and it can well, be sometimes, fucking difficult with that. Sometimes it's a plane ticket. Like, rather than uh, trying to get all the equipment together, maybe I just need to get myself to the right place at the right time, you know? But I've been doing, like, really lazy auditioning on backstage. I've gotten a few, like, responses. But I I don't really... I don't really put like my heart on the line for acting. It's more of like kind of an intriguing, fun idea to maybe do some acting at some point. Well, have you gone and like done any, uh, like, you know, just starting out like with some PA work or anything or with- Well, uh... I actually just, I just shot something um, that is about to surface. It was with uh, a director, Named Andre. Um, I know him as Loose Leaf because that's how we connected on Instagram. He's like L U Z underscore Leaf. But um, he he's a really interesting guy. He's working on this project, and he brought together. It's actually me, Edna, uh, Edna Mira Ramos, who is a part of the Symphony Horror Project that just dropped on Friday and is available uh, kind of wherever now. Um, and then she she was also in, in my short Rose Motel that should be available on the DVD when it drops in November. And then it's a couple other guys, Juan Amador. Actually, it's I think two guys both named Juan Amador, which was fascinating. Uh, it turned out that they one of them had gotten booked and then the other one like maybe got a message as well. And they ended up getting a different part and then it came out when they met on set we were shooting and they were like oh wait a minute i like they were like wait i think you've been getting my messages for a while uh but they were both cool juan amadors <laughs> and a couple other couple other cats uh who 
I think it's going to be pretty exciting when this thing actually comes uh, together. We haven't seen the edit, but there's like a, a mini trailer that's really just me walking uh, with some music on it. But it looks pretty good to me, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Well, fuck yeah, that's uh, going to be good. I mean, I think that could be a cool thing, even just that's a cool premise there, you know, someone with the same name uh, or, you know, same something, you know, getting, there's always two Juan know, Amadores. Yeah, two Juan, maybe, <laughs> two, two Juan Amadores. What was that fucking, uh, two Wong Fu, two Juan, two Juan Amadores. Uh, or the yeah. or the prince and the Juan Amador. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that could be. It's I don't know. It's or at least you know, part oh, of snap something. By the way, I just remembered. Uh, Jade actually has a, a movie out. Uh, she did a trauma picture, where apparently she replaced Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy was supposed to play a role, and then <laughs> he got into some <laughs> troubles, oh, and shit. she came to me. Cause I'm like, she, she treats me like her acting teacher and I'll like cool. sides with her or whatever. But so I, she had her audition to replace Ron Jeremy and she did well. She got the part and I think the movie's available. I don't remember what it's called. So I have to check with her or look at her IMDb or something, but uh, I definitely want to see that film very much. So someone posted a video of Jade on TikTok. And I yes. was, I was like, dude, she's fucking cool as fuck. Uh, I, I worked with her, uh, and then I was like, yeah, it was, it was cool, man, uh, to see someone else posting. I mean, it's one thing if you post your own stuff, but you know, seeing someone else post, I was like, hell yeah, dude, good, good, good on her for getting, you know, getting a little extra attention, which is cool. And so, I mean, if she's taking over Ron Jeremy. I'm thinking all the roles that Ron Jeremy's done that, I mean, we're with his clothes on, but I mean, there's, there's been a lot. It'd be, uh, that's, that's just fascinating. Those, those I got to shout out some more friends because Gavin Michael Booth just, I believe, got an award for his film. I think his lady got an award for her role in the film. Uh, Mark Pritchard, who worked on Symphony just got into BAFTA from what I'm seeing. And it's it's really fantastic, I feel you, to see like these, like just to see Edna's face all over the place in the Symphony advertising, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's very, very inspiring to be around. Like that's something that I feel like gets lost sometimes with the stand-up world where people think we're all on our own and we're all by yeah. ourselves. It's like, no, our, everyone succeeding together is a thing actually and there's a difference between what you just said like you said it's inspiring seeing that rather than like hey fuck that guy what the fuck's he done like fuck it i could be doing that you know like it's a, it's yeah. a different approach man like it's it's easy to be bitter and i mean sure there are some people who you are like okay well what, what the fuck are they doing but I mean, it's cool when you got like inspiring stories of of people. Like, oh, dude, hell yeah, good, good, fucking on you for getting that. I'm I'm stoked that you're you're doing awesome, and you know, it makes me want to fucking push a little harder. Yeah, and just get get something get something made or make something like there's there's uh, some guys I talked to who were doing this thing. Uh, 
the one minute film school and just oh. the, the idea of putting together one minute films and working on the skills of cinema at that at that sort of minutia level is is really i i'm still puzzling it out but i'm really fascinated by it so yeah i have another idea of something man uh if you get a place what you should do because this is another thing how to get fucking uh, i've learned with easy publicity and and shit like that okay you get a film you make a film festival yourself and then you get you get some you know you get someone to get the prizes and shit all the you know whatever even if it's just the honor of you know first place second place third place but and then you get them to you know have a voting system and have it be you know something online or whatever and then you get people posting that all over but then i mean you could have a real cool thing like even if you do like a two minutes two minute every film is two minutes long film festival and you get people from all over to um come to you and i mean if you got people coming to you then you can pick out what you want and then you can those people will probably be pretty stoked to work with you being the guy that's hosting a film festival and knowing what i think you're right i think it's always about producing and um and sort of progenerating even there's something i've seen in the comedy scene that's pretty yeah. cool where one comic for a while in a certain town will just take it upon themselves to do a comprehensive list of, of sort of what's going on and then they can become a hub in a particular way where everyone wants to be listed as one of the things that's happening so now they're in touch with all the shows they know where they all are and it's like they're providing a service and it benefits them and usually people do it for a while and then they're like i don't need this anymore and they kind of like move on yeah and you pass it on to someone i mean so maybe you said like it's hard to find that down there in southern california maybe that's something else that oh no can... there's a couple of really good lists there's like Ian okay so has a list and there's like an orange county stand-up list that's pretty good and then i mean the thing is like there are so many damn comedy clubs it's pretty dope and that's the most exciting thing for me coming from the bay is that there's these different clubs owned by different people that are run independently and that actually is very helpful because there's different perspectives operating yeah rather than the same uh you got you gotta fucking play by these rules have this kind of humor or... it's less of a bottleneck yeah yeah you know what i was dreaming of honestly this is this is something when we were just on the road it seems like there isn't exactly a, there used to be like the triple run of like shitty shows or like you know the chitlin circuit of like these these alternate paths to knock through through the distance of traveling the you know large continent of the united states and like even in the slam i don't know exactly how much the slam scene is operating but there was like a bit of a a tour route that i witnessed through this the slam scene and i feel like there is some value to trying to rebuild that like i keep reaching out to comics like when when i you know when i'm 
connect with someone to just say like let me know i did all this research about these different routes and these different shows and stuff let me know if you are trying to go to any of those places and i will happily share my research because um we just like it's useful for all like like we were just saying it's useful for all of us to have this these things be active to have these shows be good to have good comics doing the shows you know as as and to have like people coming in from out of town like even in the central coast i remember i used to live in the central coast and like there were really about 10 comics that would do all all the mics but there was maybe a mic once a week if you drove to like an hour and a half or two hours you could find something and it's like well we got to get more shows so you know we got to get more venues I tried to, you know, I started producing a show a week, actually. And I would try to bring comics in from, like, either inland, like Bakersfield, Fresno, or from the south, or, you know, Ventura, bring people from the Bay or from Santa Cruz down and just kind of cross-pollinate. That's actually how I met um, Matt Gubser, who's a, he's a fantastic comic that's, he's got, like, maybe, like, four or five different albums out and stuff out here in, like, fantastic comic but yeah just like trying to increase the cross-pollination between these you know these towns yeah because it's easy to be fucking not go more than you know the, the 40 minute comic or uh you know that only drives 40 minutes for anything and you know you could be top dog there or one of the top dogs but if you're not getting out like what the fuck the fuck you doing like and hopefully that you know with more people coming in, that'll hopefully encourage some of these people to go out. Speaking and, of also, um, there was a, a group we heard the other day uh, down the street. We like we went to this little theater mic and heard these two people playing. And then I think their group, their band is called the Hooks. Um, and they had some it was it was cool to just hear local music it was like only maybe 13 people in the room but some kind of really interesting grooves actually did you get to talk to them at all well yeah i knew about the show because uh because i talked to them at the open mic you know so i'm definitely always trying to figure out uh just like who who's around because like i don't really want to if i want to produce a show i don't want it to just be only stand up. I would rather the more sort of different, the more different multidisciplinary, you know, uh, acts. I think the better. Yeah, I like the first show I ever put on was yeah, variety and you know anything goes, kind of a thing. And then yeah, then yeah, then I just went to straight comedy. But I mean, yeah, I like doing that, man. I'd have people doing all kinds of weird shit. And, you know, I, I like going to those. And sometimes, sometimes you get nights where it's heavy with one discipline and that's okay. Uh, but it's, it's, you never know what you're going to get. Like comedy, comedy it's is like hard sometimes. Yeah. It's like a box well, of chocolates. You know, it's so crazy to me because you know, working out, um, working out stand up with like six people in the room or with like just like only comics who have heard your act before, or whatever. which sucks. Well, it's you know, 
it's possible to transcend those things. And if a truly, a truly interesting uh, performer can either be interesting in the moment or has enough in the bag that they can they can sort of transcend that 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 thing but it it also can wear you down if if you have work that isn't being seen and that you feel like is worth being seen so that question of you know it always comes down as far as i hear to um they say be undeniable that's like always the thing be undeniable you do the thing so well so constantly and for so long that people just eventually have to observe right that's the goal yeah and i mean that could be you know in any way it's just about and i mean yeah that's not i guess it's the it's not the goal for everyone i don't think though i think some people go for the fucking try to fast track that it miss out on a lot and miss out on some of those pieces and it works for a second, but it doesn't have much longevity. Well, you know, it happens the other way too, where people will think, Oh, I'm in line. I'm waiting. I'm in line. And I, you know, it doesn't, that's, I get, I mean, it's a subjective you, line that you're it? putting yourself in. Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I mean, I don't have any answers, but I am very interested in what people have tried and talking to people who, who you know, who have tried unusual, unusual approaches to an art form. And I, I think that, um, I don't know, man, I was, talk, I was talking this out earlier this week and it's like, well, I've spent a lot of time trying to learn a bunch of different skills and I'm not equally good at all of them at all. So like I, I've done, you know, sound mixing, but that is not my skill. There's people who are trained to do it way better than me, but I don't always have access to them. So no, if like a lot of times in a room where there's a live show going on, every single comic will act like the, the PA system is magic, you know? And it's like, well, someone needs to just put their hands in the, in the dirt, like, the patient is dying. You got to yeah. put your hands inside and just try to squeeze the kidney or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, like we do every day. And yeah, I mean, so I, it can be, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fucking master. I can, I can do that. Uh, so I have a little bit of background, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who can do it with a lot more precision and skill but i mean when you just need someone and everyone else freezes up like you gotta get in there you gotta fucking the person their kidney's gonna fucking die and you and know man gonna... i i have this conflict in my in myself where i love the stage the stage is is i've spent my entire life on the stage and then i also see how ephemeral it is and how if you're not if you're only working on stage it's possible for everything you've done to be lost to history and forgotten and so i'm very fixated on figuring out sort of how to how to capture the work in a way that it reveals the work in the best light and um that's sort of like a going on the first tour where 
it was before everyone had a phone in their pocket and we didn't really get footage of almost anything we did so there's just maybe two three four different videos that kind of are trying to capture it and that's all and so since then i've just been obsessed with figuring out you know almost the the system that we came up with was pretty backwards in that we would just figure we would produce as much work as possible and then wait and after a couple of years you could see what has value you know but that's that's not that's like hip-hop we were approaching it as like these hungry mcs kind of and i just I'm really fascinated now with trying to figure out that axis of like doing it by any means necessary versus like the highest quality that you can preserve and, and how those two things are somehow always at odds. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but like the, the MC community or, you know, or any sort of music community seems a lot more supportive than the comedy community and so i think you might have had a different take of how you were when you were touring i mean and sure i mean there wasn't video but i mean what's video of that worth now well that's the question is like what what can we preserve and it's really all about context right Right? Like, like I've talked to a lot of, you know, it's not so much recently, but I've talked to people who are sort of starting out doing stand up a lot of different times where they they want to preserve what's going on. And so they'll they'll say, oh, I'm making a documentary. I'm making a documentary about the scene when really what they're trying to do is document themselves and get someone to look at it. Right. right. But you have to contextualize yourself. So, like, if it's true or false or if it's a trick. The trip now is like everyone sort of is is making their own life documentary at all times on their phones. That's sort of like even if people don't think of themselves as a performer, they still think they can be a movie star and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So then, I mean, if everybody is doing that, what's what's being one more person to do it? You got to think outside the box. Well, find out. yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to find a purpose, I guess, like. I um special purpose. A special purpose. Well, no, I I think like uh hmm. Yeah, man. Like I think that I've witnessed in the scene, there's sometimes in stand-up, I've I've seen people get up on stage so much that they sort of maybe lose track of what the point is. It just becomes um uh, becomes so routine that they forget that there's even an audience you know yeah and that it's hard i don't know some people it's easy but i mean something like that drives me crazy and i like and it's different for everyone and you know it's all about the getting you know getting as much out there and documenting as you can, or, you know, really polishing and perfecting. There's an art in both. And maybe it's a combination of the two is what, what could be the answer is finding a way, you know, like having some of it, but then making a reason for people to want to come see you live because you're doing crazy shit that 
could be anything. And there has to be a reason for people to want to come see you live as opposed to like, oh, dude, I can just watch this person. Here, here's their, you know, hour, half hour, three minute set where it's so polished, but then you go and see them and they're doing the same act they've been doing for two years. But here it is, you can see them do the same thing on stage. And I don't know, man, it's- No, that's really interesting because Okay, so here's here's my struggle, I guess. Uh, like for nine years of doing stand up on stage, and like even a little more because I did it before I started doing open mics. But like, okay, I have whatever is probably the most effective. It's exactly what you're just saying. Whatever the most effective jokes are, here they are. Or there's like taking a risk of of failing essentially. Uh, which you can still do even when you just do your act at its finest, you can still theoretically fail. But like who like who are you trying to please in the room, I guess, or whose approval are you looking for, or whose ears are you actually reaching for? And so like there's that 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 battle between like trying to achieve perfection and trying to achieve honesty. Yeah, and I mean, what is either? And where, how blurred are those lines? Well, what I found doing spoken word, like, uh, I don't know, and maybe like 2007, was that if I took a chance and I failed, then I failed, you know, but I took a chance. And if I didn't take a chance if I just did the thing that was probably reliable that I wasn't necessarily feeling but I thought the room wanted or whatever and I missed that felt horrible it just felt awful to like try to pander and fail feels horrible and then if I pander and succeed it doesn't really feel that good it actually felt better to take a chance and fail and so if you take a chance to succeed then that's the best so like on every level it's just better to take a chance anyway yeah, and I'm if so. Let's say you have a set that you think is, you know, super polished and it's set in stone, and you start going, you get through setup, joke one, joke two, and the crowd's not with you, and then like, what the fuck? Do you just, I mean, do you stop and just be like, okay, well, fuck this, or? I mean, if you already lost the crowd, I mean, do you go and keep going with That's what Larry with David your, used to do. Just keep going with it? No, he would just say, fuck you, and leave. <laughs> that's good, but, though. That's fucking funny. That's that's good. That's the, like something you're going to remember. You're going to remember the guy who was like, hey, fuck this. Like, I'm done. Like, that's fucking funny. That's, it's. You know, you don't have to be the best, but it's going to be what you remember at the end of the night. What the people who are there are going to remember at the end of the night. They're going to have that moment. That moment is fucking important. Like, in wrestling, I'm I'm not a good wrestler, but how many times have I had the the moment that people are going to remember because this guy did something fucking weird, and uh, that's what I'm going to go home with. Remember when that guy fucking pissed off that person so much? you know, or whatever, you know, it's about, 
It's about that moment that people are going to go home with, whether it's on video or not on video. It's having that moment that where you're really connecting and just on it. You're fucking there. You're right there with everyone. Everyone is fucking just hanging on your fucking balls, man, or whatever, whatever they're hanging on. I don't know. But yeah, dude, I have a fucking roast battle coming up. Uh, it's at the Haha ha Club. Is it one um, of those ones that they tape? I see those a lot on TikTok of some roast battles. Don't know if they're going to tape it. Uh, it's supposed to be on November 16th. I actually, I have all these opinions about roast battles, but ultimately it's like, whatever. It's a, it's a show, it's a set, it's a chance to write a new joke. So that's, that's a good reason to get out and do it anyway. But I do feel like, it's like you said, like if, in, if it's a competition of some kind, I kind of mentally check out because I don't care really about like it's not that I don't want to win what I it's that the act that I built I recognize is not a crowd pleaser so when I'm operating at my best and I impact the crowd the most I don't necessarily give them happy endorphin feelings where they want to replicate it and make me number one you're giving them feelings it's still stage time and it's still I I'm kind of messed up as a comic in that my goal my primary goal is not actually comedy. Uh, I don't differentiate when I do stand up or hip hop or spoken word or like any of these art forms that involve like my voice. Yeah. I have the same goal every time I get on stage. So that sort of makes me a chameleon more than I am a whatever, whatever the thing is I'm supposed to be. But the mimicry is pretty convincing under the right circumstances. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard to be, I, I don't know, you can have the, the best shit, but at the end of the day, it's what people are going to go home with. I mean, it's, it's easy with a, let's it's say- the memory. Uh, yeah, let's say a show is an hour long. You're not going to remember every comic that's on there with everything that they had. You're going to probably remember one or two things through, throughout the show that you're going to go home well, with. So I have, a, I have a secret, and this is something that sounds kind of dumb, I think, out loud, but it's something that people who are close to me, who are like very close to me, can observe, and no one else really has a way to observe this. But um, when I go up in a show pretty consistently i'm kind of like a like a cleanup batter or whatever like people tend to do well after i go up and one of the reasons that is is because very frequently i terrify the people in the room in some way or i make them nervous or i make them tense or i bring up something uncomfortable and so after me the person can just get up and just give the people what they want but they maybe didn't even realize how much they wanted. And usually I focus attention. So people might not have been totally paying attention, but now they're paying attention. They're set up. And I do tee the audience up pretty good. You're making the, the next person look better. I do. I do think that's true. Now, sometimes I will dig a hole and I, I have been known to do that where I'll dig a, a hole. But even from that, I think there's a sense of tension and suspension of attention that, um, 
functions in a particular way, but you can only see that if you're watching it from my perspective, which why would any of the other performers be, you know, but it's something I've witnessed. I think that some of the hosts do. I think that's why I get asked to come back to the tavern because he knows I wake up the room a little bit, but and then the host has something to say when you, when you, when you're yes. done, the host has something to say. They're not like, wow, give it up for Warhol Kaufman. Great job there, buddy. Uh, you got <laughs> that weird ass motherfucker. It, yeah, it's it's always something like there's something to talk about, and it can it's easy for anyone. Like what you've done in my room, I think you did it twice, and it was easy to transition and have something to talk about. It wasn't just like, well, there's there's his set, he's all done. Okay, well, uh, next comic you may have seen, well, whatever that kind of bullshit. It's it's easy to just go right into taking off your energy and taking what you were doing and be able to flow it and shift it into bringing up the next person because you're setting that energy and you're setting it up for the first the host but then the the next person and whether whichever way they want to take it they can take it however but it's it's important to have someone like you on a show and it's easy to just get the same people telling safe jokes that are going to be funny but when you leave you're not going to remember shit you might remember one one thing but then it's like you better have that good joke you've told 65 times and that's it like the people who just have their, you know what their i think like like i don't my act is not that controversial in in a decent sized diverse room my act is not particularly controversial in a homogenous room or a very small room you could piss off you know a fraction of the crowd one like one table might be half the crowd you yeah. know one room or in in a in a room where you know i i mean honestly i played for crowds of like literally where the audience responded like i'm like make some noise if you're racist and they're like yes we are and the whole crowd cheer like i've been in that room i've been in rooms where people identify in with whatever however you want to frame it that they are against my perspective unilaterally and that that is also that's fun interesting it's an interesting space to be in it is preferable i would say to being in a room where no one gives a fuck that you spoke yeah and uh because i mean they're already kind of like oh what the fuck's up with this guy you know they're already, before you even say anything else, before you even get into whatever your act is that day, they're already like, oh, okay, well, where, where's this guy going? If he's he's getting this, getting us kind of riled up already, getting us engaged, getting us giving a fuck about what he's going to say rather than just reading off of a notebook or your phone or just going next 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 and not really you know even finding one person in the room and just 
you know, making sure that person, like you get that person all riled up, the person next to them is going to be like, oh shit, like, and then they're going to be super invested in it. And it just goes on and on and on. Well, it's something I realized as an actor, I, I don't, I tend to play uh, dirtbags, you know, I don't I really do. play the nice guy mostly. So that's an, a pattern I observed that seemed kind of external to me where I'm like, all right, well, good to know how I'm seen. But yeah, and you, you go and embrace that. You can't fucking like, if that's what people are seeing from at first impressions, like as much as people say, don't mean shit, they're full of shit. First impressions are a lot. So, I mean, you gotta just embrace it and just like, you know, what, what I always say, yeah, like, what, what, yeah when, once you shit your pants, you can't shit your pants more. So just like, if you're up on stage, you shit your pants, like, okay, well, I already shit my pants. I say this fucking analogy way too many times uh, and on everything, but you know, you can't shit your pants more. You just gotta embrace you like, okay, well, I shit my pants, but all right, let's fucking go. Let's, let's keep this going. I, you know, what, what else is gonna happen? already already shit my pants starting yeah, to smell like line from reservoir dogs <laughs> yeah you know what to do shit your pants and then dive in yep exactly exactly so and well, that's, dude, that's i don't know if you can top shit your pants i think that's probably uh the capo that's that's the that's the fucking crescendo of everything. i feel like we already once you shit your pants i think the podcast is over Okay, well then I, I say that's good. So uh, so where can people find you if they want to find you? Well, so let me just plug, let's see. This is my schedule. November 26th, I'll be in San Diego at the Main Tap. Um, I'm at the Britannia in Santa Monica, November 23rd, November 16th. Uh, I'm at Group Therapy Club, Pub in Placentia, November 1st. Uh, North Hollywood on Halloween at Universal Bar and Grill on the good night on the 29th. So uh, those are some places. And then you can always check out uh, Symphony Horror Anthology on DVD coming out in November. You can pre-order it. Uh, and if you want to check out Symphony, I co-produced that, that film. Um, it's available on Apple TV right now. How's that spelled? Symphony, S-I-N-P-H-O-N-Y horror anthology there you go so yeah uh check that check that check him so this is gonna be on you know wherever you, you get your podcast whether it's iHeartRadio, whatever spotify apple amazon i don't give a shit where you're listening to it but you should be listening to it because you're here you're at the end and you can See Warhol Kaufman wherever the fuck. What's you your want. What's your podcast called anyway? This is called the Public Access Podcast, and I've been doing it since 2012. Well, you but, know I uh, love you, Rusty. I love you too, buddy. To and you we'll fucking uh, I'll get this out. I'm gonna uh, I'll send you the link, and you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Awesome, man. Catch you later. All right, cool. Well, thank you everyone for coming on. Uh, not coming on coming off coming on coming off so this is what we're gonna do and that's the show man